So because you are lukewarm, neither uh, hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord God, as this prayer echoes, Lord, would we have ears for what you're saying to us, what you want to encourage us with, what you want to challenge us with? Lord, we pray that you would transform us in your image. that we will become more and more like you. Lord, help us to follow you, to do the things you did, to know you, grow like you, and do what you did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a moment of deep distrust of the institutional church. I was sat having um, a coffee yesterday morning, and... um, got talking to, to two people, and uh, one of them kind of worked in, in the energy um, world out here, and he was talking to me, and he said, so what do you do? I said, well, actually, I work for a church, and he just looked at me. He just couldn't work out why. He said, isn't it bizarre that the church doesn't care about the environment? Actually, that's a really good point, by the way. The church, by and large, doesn't. But he was very distrusting of the kind of institutional church. And you know, often with really good reason. And in this moment, one of the things I hear a lot of is, I don't need to go to church to know Jesus. Why would I? The church isn't where Jesus is in our city. You know, we are known better for being into programs, into initiatives, into money, into power, into being loud, into making the traffic bad. But we're not necessarily known for Jesus or the ways of Jesus. When was the last time someone turned to you and said, the church, oh yeah, they're so loving. They're so gracious to those around them. They're really different. They're kind. They're compassionate. But as we see, as we read this this morning, this is nothing new. It's definitely a problem of our age, but it's also a problem of the ages where the church was struggling. Some of you all know um, the theologian and writer Henri Nouwen, who died nearly 30 years ago now, but wisely, even prophetically, he offered this. Christians still long to touch the center of men's and women's lives, but find themselves on the periphery, often pleading in vain for admission. That moment we kind of find ourselves at church going, would you please let us in? Can we please be part of, of this society and this culture, how things have changed so much? What a quote for our time. Please, would you let us be part of, of your life? In what ways can we be part of this city or this community? 
And the text we looked at this morning, I think, is one of the most kind of historically misunderstood passages in the Bible. But let's try and dig into to this. Firstly, this. We need to give ourselves to something that matters. We need to give ourselves something that matters. Don't be lukewarm is the challenge. A bit of historical context, Laodicea, for all its wealth and prestige of which it had much, had no natural supply of water, which at the time was a, a living nightmare. So basically they had to ship water in, and they did this from two places. One was where hot springs came from, and the other where cold water came from. And by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was calcified with the chemicals in the shipping canals, and it had become warm. The cold water getting heated up, and the hot water cooling down. So it became no good for, for bathing in, or no good for drinking. In fact, the, the water was so bad, it would literally make you vomit. And in our culture, lukewarm has become known as, it means like indifference. But it's, it's not what they're, they're kind of looking to. You know, it's not, the idea is not, as someone suggested, that God, he either wants us completely sold out for him, or not interested in him. Like, I want you hot for God or cold for God. Either of those two is fine, but not somewhere in the middle. Don't be indifferent. That's not what he's saying. It doesn't make sense of Scripture as a whole. It doesn't make sense of the God we know. So what's going on here? Well, this is not about apathy. It's about contribution. Jesus is saying, you've gone to all of this effort. You've made all these incredible waterways, and you are proud of your efforts, and they don't even deliver. They don't even bring what you need. Don't give yourselves to something that produces lukewarm water. Give yourself to something that would either bring hot water that's useful or cold water which is useful. Don't give yourself to something that's not useful. See, Jesus here is not criticizing their faith. He's criticizing their fruit. He's criticizing the product that comes out of what they're giving themselves to. Lukewarmness about Christians who go to all this effort and what they produce adds up for nothing. We are called to be a community that contributes something of meaning and of purpose. <clears throat> and part of our vision for this space as we move there is to equip people to follow the way of Jesus so that our city would look different. So our communities and our families would look different. I wonder how many of us are, are kind of toiling away in our spaces and what we are doing in practical terms is just lukewarm. It's not making the world look like, more like the kingdom of the heavens. I wonder, do we have the courage to analyze and think clearly and critically about what we're doing? Just so you know, guys, the aim is not to develop a space and then sit around congratulating ourselves. Saying, aren't we wonderful? Look what we did. Isn't this good? Aren't we really clever? But rather, the moment this is ready to go is when the real work starts of how we utilize what we have for the sake of God's kingdom. There's no point having something that looks beautiful and does nothing. That would be the epitome of lukewarmness. This is about adding something that contributes value. And then secondly this, are we a part of what God is doing? Often the narrative is, God, I'm doing this, will you join in? And I'm sure he smiles and goes, actually, it might be better the other way around. Like if you join in with what I'm doing. It's a famous phrase in the, in the passage, look, I stand at the door and knock. And often we say, okay, Jesus is at the door of our hearts and if we let him in, um, 
uh, then he'll, he'll fill our hearts. That's great. It's needed. It changes the world. It's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about something different. Tom Wright notes that the image is rather of the master returning to his own house to find the servant and to find what he's been doing. And this beautiful kind of messianic image of sharing with Christ in his banquet and feast. And as Jesus returns to his house of this beautiful image, that we too would share the throne of Jesus. And just to be clear, sharing the throne of Jesus isn't that you somehow bagged luxury seating for eternity. And nor is it the opportunity to kind of like kick back. But rather, this is the echo we see throughout the Bible of a royal priesthood of a kingdom of priests, this royal sense of worship with God. And lifted in Christ Jesus, we begin to be a royal priesthood to offer out his rule and his reign. And the challenge is how seriously will we take what it means to be God's people into where we go? Here's the thing, the church is not called by God to be a lead on how we do national governance. It's not meant to uh, inform the procedures of government or to regulate or oversee our financial industries. Although we see, we see our people in those spaces, but it's not what we're called to do as a church. But there are things in the Bible that we are called to lead on, that we are called to be the kind of front on this. And we need not to be passive, but to take this seriously. For instance, I think as I look at the way Jesus does relationships and Jesus does community, we are called as a church body to be the industry lead standard on what authentic community looks like globally. What real justice might look like in our world. And what um, flourishing in our time and not simply using the world for our own gain is like. Because we are equipped as Christians with tools that no other group has. There's no other group in the world that has the things that we do to be able to deliver on this. We have grace. We're filled with grace. You look at our world, our graceless world. You only have to be on kind of media or social media for 30 seconds. You see the lack of grace that is extended to people. We're able to offer unconditional, unmerited love. We are charged with loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. That is not on the vision statement of any secular NGO anywhere in the world. Who else in the world is equipped by the power of God to act like this? What would our community look like if we kept extending grace? If we would love our enemies and not just the obvious ones, but the people who are sat next to you who actually annoy you. Don't look at them, that just makes it worse. <laughs> we are partners with the God of the universe in an ancient mandate to help the world become all that's meant to be. Our eyes are not just on the here and now, but they're on eternity. We're called to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city. These are tools and frameworks that God gives us to act differently in our time. And then finally this, how do we lift our eyes? Have you noticed how Jesus lifts their eyes? He doesn't try and take them away from their work or their places that they are, but rather he tries to give them a bigger vision for it. He says, you say I'm rich, you've acquired wealth, you don't need a thing. 
How often is that the narrative of our time? And then Jesus replies to it, but don't you realize you are pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? Thank you, Jesus, for the encouragement. The economy of this city was built on several key trades. It manufactured this black wool that become very trendy. And it also reputedly had the best eye clinic in the world with a famous salve for healing eyes. So culturally, they thought themselves as really well-dressed. And they had great eyesight. It made them rich. And it made them important. And Jesus says, actually, you're pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The vision is not, how do I be a nice lawyer, or a teacher, or a nice artist, or whatever, that kind of believes in Jesus and goes to church. That's okay, but Jesus challenges us to more. How do we, in our own small way, begin to make decisions in our work that reflect back to our culture the person of Jesus? Would people look at the decisions you make on a daily basis and go, that's, that's different. That's not how I think about the world. How does the very work of our hands allow us to play our part in seeing God's renewal in our city? Not just the way we conduct ourselves, but the actual decisions that we make, that the things that we're thinking through, the way in which we go about this. We're not called to be lukewarm, we're called to add something. Something that matters. Let me just wrap up with a moment of prayer. Lord God, you have called us to be your church. And you've equipped us as a body, as a people, to act radically different to the people around us. Lord, would you help us to, be, to lead on areas that matter to your heart? To take seriously what it means to be the people of God. That we would be your people on a Sunday and on a Monday. And as we practice the way of Jesus, we will see the renewal of our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody's so nice to see you, so glad you're here.